Raising men and not boys on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, our communications coordinator, Taryn DeFevers, was able to catch up with Pastor Mike Fabares. Mike is the founding pastor of Compass Bible Church in South Orange County, California, and he's been in pastoral ministry for more than 25 years. And Mike is going to address today a very important topic in the culture in which we live. We're having so many discussions about manhood and womanhood. Uh, How do we think biblically about these ideas? And then how do we intentionally, as parents, raise boys to be men? This is an important conversation, and I pray that you'll listen in as Taryn and Pastor Mike address this important topic. Pastor Mike, I want to kick this off by asking you some questions about some of the challenges that you've seen as a father and as a pastor, some of the most common challenges parents and particularly maybe even fathers face with raising sons. Yeah, well, you think about that in our day of the gender confusion that's out there, you know, we don't, I say we, the society doesn't want us to treat our boys any different than our girls. But in reality, we need to understand that God has created these complementary genders and that we are treating our boys as young men, and we want them to grow up to be the young men that uh, would fulfill their role as a man in their homes, in their churches, in society. So we're going to approach this from a biblical perspective. And uh, the, the book I wrote on this, I just start with what's the template in the book of Genesis? And I just think laying that out in your mind gets you to see how hard this is in our day. It seems harder now than it's ever been, at least in Western culture, in American Western culture. It's hard because we're not getting any support from our society. The mm-hmm. society is not saying, yeah, that's great. We're all about that you know, that men should should lead and that men should provide and protect and all the things that you might hear your grandparents or great-grandparents say. I mean, now it's like, you know, we've emasculated the men of our culture, uh, you know, and yet at the end of it all, and I say this often, even those that have pushed so hard to emasculate their men in culture at some point, even the most liberal, feminized, or uh, feminist, I should say, are, are at the end of the day, so often in their own personal lives, looking for a real man. <laughs> it's just some, an, there's an irony in that. And I think, um, you know, God has created these complementary roles and we need to recognize the challenge in our day is not to listen to the culture that wants us to, to treat our kids as generic, you know, go to Target now, you know, I don't know if they still do this, but you know, we're not going to separate boys toys from girls toys or boys clothes it's just mm-hmm. it's just gotten ridiculous so you know, we're raising young boys to be young men to be men and to be leaders and strong and courageous you know the kinds of of, of men that we see depicted in the plan of a man in the book of genesis uh, and and that I think is going to be harder today than ever. And the church often reflects the culture, mm-hmm. and uh, so it is hard. It's a challenge, and not to mention the fact that our kids come out uh, into this world as as you know children of Adam in rebellion against God, and they don't want to cooperate with it. Uh, you know, and and so we're we're, gonna, we're we got challenges within, and we got challenges outside, and sometimes sadly we even have challenges in the church that mm-hmm. uh, doesn't support our raising our boys to be uh, really godly, strong men. 
mm-hmm. as a godly family trying to raise godly sons, it's really swimming upstream in, in the culture. That's right. Um, are there other challenges that you see? There's the gender issues. There's the child's own, own sin you're facing as a parent. Mm-hmm. What are some other things you've seen as a pastor? Yeah, I think as a pastor, we all hope that someone else will do this for us. If I can just have, you know, the church do it or my Christian school do it or this little curriculum that I've got, you know, and, and those can all be good. It's just we can't delegate it. And it's work, right? I, and I hate to say it, but, you know, it just is fallen human beings. We are all we all tend to be lazy. We tend to work really hard at having fun, it seems, but we don't work hard at the stuff that's hard. We want things with immediate payoff and raising our kids does not always have the immediate payoff, right? If I want my kid to stop being fussy, I might, you know, put a screen in front of them or, you know, if they're being complaining, I just hand them a candy bar, you know, that, that, those are the short term solutions to the frustration I have, but, but being able to raise godly men or any, you know, even godly daughters, you're going to have to invest in things that are hard. They're going to take a lot of time and there's not going to be an, an original initial payoff. You're not going to see the fruit for a while. It's like planting a garden, right? There's so many analogies and scriptures about this. You know, the growth is like a gardener that tills the ground and, 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 and you know, puts on the, you know, the fertilizer to make sure that it's going to be nourished. It, it doesn't grow up overnight. And, and so the, the things we want to see in our kids we have to invest on in early and it's going to be a challenge to do the work when I'd rather just sit down after work, especially as fathers, put my feet up, have dinner, watch TV, read mm-hmm. the news, read my magazine and, and you know, go to bed. Uh, we're going to have to work. It's going to be hard. We have to really fight to say, step up, disciple your children, do it even though you don't feel like doing it. Uh, take them. I don't know, think about things like I remember taking our kids you don't have to be a pastor to do this. Of course, as a pastor, I have a lot of opportunities to do it, to, you know, visit people that are sick in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, or even on, on holidays. You can think of uh, Christmas morning just saying, hey, we're going to go to the nursing home. Of course, I knew people in our church that were there, but saying we're going to spend our Christmas morning after we open some presents. We're going to go and just minister to people that are, you know, neglected in our nursing home or, you know, someone's been in a car accident or someone's suffering from some illness. Let's take our kids with us. It's easier for me, certainly as a pastor, just to do that myself, but to say, okay, I'm going to bring my kid along and I got a six-year-old in tow and he's going to learn to watch dad care for people who are hurting, uh, you know, and you're doing some counseling in those situations, right? Mm-hmm. Some simple counseling to have my kid watch me care for these folks, uh, it's just so important. Um, I just had a situation this morning where someone happened to, and I didn't know it was even being recorded, to record me ministering to a gal that was just dying in our church. And I, I'm going to preach her her funeral here um, the day after tomorrow. And, you know, to see how that impresses, you know, people that, you know, are seeing you in the private moments caring for other people. That's a kind of discipleship that is complicated when you're saying, I'm bring my kids along. I want to bring even mentors along, right? Um, you talk about making disciples. It's a lot of doing life with other people when in our day, it's easier doing life alone. And um, so there's a lot of challenges, our laziness, our, our, our privacy, our autonomy. Uh, but our life is about people as Christians. And as a parent, your life has got to be about shaping those young lives. And so you've got to get past the things that are difficult, the laziness and, and, and the, the, 
you know, this is hard and just do the work. And there's a lot of good resources out there. Of course, I try to contribute to that with this book on raising men, not boys, but I, I, I'm trying to have people do more than they would intuitively do because intuitively Mm -hmm. as fallen human beings, even as regenerate human beings, you know, our flesh is weak, even though the spirit may be willing. And, you know, here's Jesus saying to Peter, James, and John, just pray with me. Can't you pray for me for an hour? Mm -hmm. And even that, think about that. When's the last time you prayed for a solid hour? You know, I have to purpose to do that. Sometimes I set a timer just so that I don't have Jesus. I don't picture him saying that to me, right? You can't pray for an hour. I, I have to fight through my flesh. And there's a lot of things as it relates to parenting that's the same way. It's going to be a bigger challenge. And you can't just naturally say, let's just have fun. Let's go to the park. Let's do mm-hmm. little league practice. Let's go to the amusement park or whatever. Uh, it's it's that kind of fighting through the challenge of doing what you feel, doing mm-hmm. what you know is right is, mm-hmm. is harder. One of the things you mentioned is the importance of relationships. And one of the God-ordained avenues for relational ministry is the church. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of the local church and in the life of a of your children, of your son. Yeah, I think good thing about church, the multi-generational nature of the church reminds us, I hope, that our kids are are moving through the stage of childhood to become adults. And I talk a lot about this. If you don't see your kids as becoming full-fledged adults who have their own lives, their own jobs, their own careers, if you don't envision their future every day, then you're in you're in trouble. Then you'll see them like pets, right? And we always wanted to have a kid. You know, I always ask the question, well, why do you want to have children, right? And and I know in, there's that natural ontological desire to, you know, nurture and have children, but you got to think beyond the fact that they're, it's like getting a, a pet, you know, <laughs> we're not doing this just for our enjoyment, our entertainment. Uh, the Bible talks about the entrustment of children as a, you know, the primary discipleship relationship we're going to have. And so in church, I think there's a couple of benefits. One is seeing that my kids are involved in a multi-generational structure and doesn't mean we have to have family services necessarily, but they're interacting all the time with these folks that um, remind us of the community of Christianity, which is more than just dad and mom and kids. It's people of all ages that we're, that we're inter- interfacing with. And I'm seeing my kids kind of by projection, you know, being those teenagers and being those college students that I sit next to and being those middle-aged people and being those grandparents one day. And that's super helpful. And then, of course, having the support of those folks. You know, a lot of people live away from their grandparents. And even if you live in a place where your grandparents, your kids' grandparents are, your parents are, I remember my kids uh, building these relationships with these key older couples. And we intentionally said, listen, what a great thing it would be for our kids to have these cross-generational relationships. Mm-hmm. And my kids literally had, you know, four couples that were their, their grandparents' age that built into their lives. And they would, you know, take them on trips. They would, you know, cook Christmas cookies with them. And, and I just think that was so important to have our kids look beyond the immediate family and think, it's only about having fun. It's only about playing sports. It's only about doing homework. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about building into a community of people that love Christ. 
And of course, in our church, which I hope in most healthy churches, we're concerned about growing that. We want to see people saved in our community. So the church helps with all of that. I mean, in our church, you know, our kids have been involved in kids programs and youth programs that have always helped them focus on how we're going to take the message of the gospel to more and more people. And, you know, our kids in our high school ministry, I think about always having these outreach events at their schools and, you know, trying to see people understand their need for Christ. And I don't know that that's going to happen unless the church is a priority. It's not just about getting them to Sunday school or getting them to the service, about getting them thoroughly involved. We do not give our kids an option. You're going to be involved in all that that program has to offer. Um, You know, and and unless the church has gone crazy with their programming, I mean, it's a reasonable amount of time, right? They're going to go to church. They're going to do serve in this weeknight thing. They're going to go on this missions trip. They're going to, we're going to say, yeah, if they've got this going on, it's purposefully and well thought out. You're going to be a part of all of it. And uh, so we want them to be fully involved and it's going to push them in areas that frankly, as parents, sometimes we're not even going to see, we Mm -hmm. know, I got adults that are excited about planning outreach events at their school, uh, which is increasingly rare, you know, pizza and you know what this is about, right? Having evangelistic times where kids give their testimonies. Mm -hmm. I I can't do that, right? That that's something the church can do and it can do it better, frankly, than I can do it as a dad. And so, um, you know, the church is critical. Got to have the Mm -hmm. church involved. One of the challenges that bring families in for counseling in the church is a wayward child. Mm. So what would you say if there's a child who they're in the home, they don't want to go to church, um, they're bending themselves more towards a wayward lifestyle, what would your counsel be as a pastor to them? And I know there's a theory out there that you should just kind of let them them go and make their mistakes and make their decisions. But I go back to if my kid doesn't want to go to school, I'm not going to say, well, okay, fine. I only want you to go to school if you want to go to school. And I've had a lot of challenge in this in my life. People saying, you know, you're creating a Pharisee and an external Christian when he's not an internal Christian. You know, I want my neighbors to act Christianly, even if they're non-Christians, right? I don't want them to steal my stuff. I don't want them to, you know, cheat on their taxes. I don't want them to, you know, steal the hubcaps off my car or whatever. You know, I, I want them to live Christianly. So, the the Proverbs give us so many principles about raising children. Um, and from a New Testament perspective, you could easily argue before there's any gift of regeneration there. So we want our kids, even as it says, a child is known by his behavior, whether his behavior is acts or good or evil. There, there needs to be a sense in which I, I know I'm asking you to conform. Your heart may not be there. You may not want to go to church, but you know what? That's what we do here. And and it's the means of grace to be in 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 the firing line, if you will, of God's word, of God's people, of good, godly peer pressure. So I always say, listen, if my kid is in my home and he's eating out of my refrigerator and I'm paying the rent to, to warm his bedroom at night, you're going to go to church. Um, even if you don't have a heart for this, even if you don't have an intuitive desire that grows out of a regenerate heart. So I know a lot of kids want to click, quit math class, but uh, you know, I think a good parent says, well, you may not get A's in it, but you're going to keep doing it and you're going to do your homework. And we do the same uh, with our kids and we encourage people to do the same. And I've, I've watched good examples of this, of parents taking that advice. And uh, I've watched these kids turn around just because parents said, listen, I, I know you want to do something else with your Sunday mornings, but get back into church. And and they've gotten in the the firing line, as I say, of the means of grace and God has done great things with their lives. It doesn't always work out that way, but as long as they're under my watch, I, I want them to be there hearing the word taught and being around Christians. Amen. Put your children in the firing line of the means of grace. There you go. There's a tweetable line.
<laughs> well, I just think Eve, it's high time for us to make this a top priority because what would it profit your kids to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Right. You could have the best looking kids, you could have the smartest kids going to the best colleges. But if at the end of their life they hear, depart from me, I never knew you, you're going to look at that from a parent's perspective and say, I sh- I, it's not worth it. What would it profit a man? That's a rhetorical question Jesus asks, and the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. So we'd like our kids to be profitable. And it may not mean that they go to the best schools or they have the straightest teeth or they, you know, hit the best, you know, more home runs than anybody else, but they learn to love God. They learn to to respect his word. They learn to, I hope by God's grace, get to a place of regeneration because they see their need for Christ. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent Bible verse to end on. Thank you, Pastor Mike. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, we have opportunity to answer questions here on the Truth and Love podcast and Nothing delights us more than to make sure that we're answering questions that are relevant to where many of our listeners are. Can I encourage you that if you have a question or would like to get a question answered on the Truth and Love podcast about some sort of counseling case or a biblical answer to a life situation that you're dealing with or just some sort of question that you have about counseling in general, how do I deal with this issue from the scriptures? Can we make ourselves a resource to you? Would you ask that question to us? And you can send that question to info at biblicalcounseling.com. So for more information on the resources that you heard about on today's podcast, please visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.